0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
1: It's Scout Fantasy Sports.
2: All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance card. Get up, go pay. office is open, my friends. Adam Ronis, I know it's a a couple days before the Super Bowl, but I think we got a lead with the NBA, dude. The Knicks and the Mavericks making a huge trade in the NBA. Huge.
1: Yeah, it was shocking because I actually was on yesterday. Uh, Frank Stanfield joined me in the middle of the show, and he's a Knicks fan, and we were talking about it. And as soon as the segment ended, it broke (laughs) that Porzingis was dealt. And it was funny because we had talked about the report that came out that said Porzingis was unhappy with the direction of the Knicks. And then all of a sudden, boom, he's traded. And it was just stunning the way the event and timeline broke down yesterday.
2: Well, what, what, the timeline is really, nobody's talked about that, really. I, nobody I've heard has talked about that. Porzingis goes in, says they're not, he's not happy with the direction. Literally five minutes later, he's traded. Are you telling me they weren't working on that trade for, for days? Because there's no way you put a deal like that together in two minutes.
1: Yeah, I think they have been working on it. Remember, Dallas was in town, too. So this is probably something that they were cooking up for a day or two. And who knows? Maybe the Knicks floated that report out there. You never know with the Knicks. But it definitely was a a surprising deal uh, that happened. And uh, a lot of talk about it today.
2: Well, the funny thing about that deal is it kind of unraveled like the layers, uh, you know, like, a, like an onion, right? First, the Knicks got this guy, then I got this guy, then now there's two first round picks. So I think a lot of people were panicking in the beginning. But now when you look at the deal as a whole, it looks a whole lot better than it did immediately when it first came out.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, this is like a lot of trades. You know, we are always quick in anything to judge a trade immediately. This team won. Oh, that was terrible. both, And a lot of times with almost every trade, you really don't know until down the road. And it's just part of what we do is you need to make that instant analysis. And I think with this, it's really a huge risk for the Knicks. What essentially they're doing is they're banking on landing two big free agents, obviously trying to get uh, Zion in the draft and hopefully that works out because they opened up a lot of salary cap space and either they took porzingis at his word and said okay this guy doesn't want to be here you know why should we risk it and and potentially lose him or maybe they had concerns could he be that franchise guy is he worth paying can he stay healthy because he's had some injuries so it is a big gamble by the knicks but this is a franchise that has kind of been playing in the middle trying to get a free agent here there and it hasn't worked so they decided to blow it up and We'll find out if they get a Kevin Durant and a Kyrie Irving or a Kemba Walker and they are able to get a top pick in the draft, then maybe this is something that works. If they cannot draw those big name free agents and they have all this salary cap space and they didn't really get much back, uh, it can really backfire on them.
2: I'm going to answer your question, if it even was a question, in two ways. I think Porzingis is a guy who's a franchise player, but he never would have been for the Knicks. I think he wasn't happy. And I think when these guys, especially these European guys, when they're not happy, they don't play well. And I think he needed a new address. I I just do. I I don't think he was ever going to be the player the Knicks needed. And and the big part of these, these guys, these franchise players, is that they need to draw other franchise guys. And I don't think Porzingis was saying to anybody, hey, come join me in New York. It's great here. And that's a big problem.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think you start to wonder too. Okay, do the Knicks know something? Do they feel like they have a a strong inclination that one of these guys will join? You know, Kevin Durant. I think we all believe is going to leave Golden State, but. What if he goes to his hometown of Washington? Does he embrace the challenge of coming to New York? Let's be honest here, if he comes to New York and he turns his team around and he somehow gets them a championship, he is going to be held forever. We know a legend. how- A legend, yeah. a legend. I mean, look what, you know, you can compare it similar to what Mark Messier did for the Rangers. I mean, coming there, winning the cup and he's forever one of the greatest Rangers because of the long drought that he ended. So. Does Durant want that? Can he handle the media? We have seen him be sensitive. I mean, look at the burner accounts. And also, you have to look at it from a perspective of these individual superstars. Do you feel confident in going to the Knicks organization based on what they've done
2: over the no, last When, the, when the, last time the Knicks had this opportunity? They got Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire. Where'd that lead you? I mean, that, those guys were terrible. If you tell me that they get two middle free agents, then this was a terrible deal.
1: Right. They need the superstars. So, you know, you got to hope that if you're a Knicks fan, that this definitely works out and they are able
2: to get uh, two big time players with Durant probably being the biggest piece here. I think for one, I think one player for sure will be either. Kemba Walker or Kyrie Irving. One of those now here's my problem and I love both those guys and maybe I shouldn't worry about this, but what do you do with Dennis Smith? I mean they play the same position or do I just move Dennis Smith to a two guard because I think Kemba's from the area. Kyrie's from the area. One of those two guys will take the money.
1: Yeah, I think you would move Smith to the two guard, uh, which would, would be I think what happens. so uh, and you don't really worry about that. And yes, Kemba is from the area. He is from the Bronx. he played at Rice High School. Uh, which is no longer open, and uh, Kyrie is from Jersey and uh, I believe has some family in New York City who are big Knicks fans, so um, we'll one see. One of those you, guys man. is
2: coming. They're coming. I'm too, too, One of those guys, there's just too much money not to come. When they get offered 30 million, one of those two guys is coming. I think the bigger question, Adam, is the second guy because I don't think Kawhi's coming. And I really wonder about Durant. Would is it enough for Durant? Because he can go anywhere, dude. He can go anywhere. Is that enough? I'm afraid the Knicks are going to get Demarcus Cousins. That's going to be my fear.
1: Uh, Cousins is a real good player. I, I like Cousins, but you would
2: he's, a, he's, a he's a knucklehead. He's a knucklehead. He's a, a good knucklehead player. to me. He's a great player, but he's, I, I don't. So, I want to so, give forty million dollars to a guy who is stable, mentally stable, and I don't think Cousins is. He's a nut.
1: Uh, so is Draymond Green? It hasn't hurt Golden State. Yeah, but you have them. guys
2: around him who are normal. That makes that makes now you see why Draymond's. Why do you think Durant's leaving? Because Draymond's nuts. They don't get along.
1: Well, I mean that's that's part of it. But Durant is he capable of taking that responsibility and leading a team? Because there's immense pressure in New York. He. he Clearly, there might be something with Durant. I mean, he couldn't get along with Westbrook. Paul George seems to love him. Paul George is playing the best basketball of his career and is probably the MVP right now. Then Durant has to go to Golden State to win a championship. But
2: but can I answer that Paul George thing? Don't you think that George says, Westbrook, you're the number one, I'm the number two, where Durant and Westbrook were fighting for number one like Shaq and Kobe? That was the problem there.
1: I don't know, because everyone assumed George was going to LA, and he shocked everyone by staying there with
2: Wentworth. Right, but no, but I'm, I agree with that. But I think the point was is that George has settled into the 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 number two guy. Russell is the guy where Durant was the guy. I mean, Durant. At no, the end of I, the game, you want with one shot to go, you want Russell or Durant shooting? Durant. Thank you. I don't think Russell but, felt that way.
1: But Paul George is the better player right now.
2: He's because having Russell, the better season. Russell, Russell makes him better.
1: No, Paul George was a superstar before he got there.
2: No, Paul George is an amazing player, but I think Paul George is a better player because Russell Westbrook's on the floor. Disagree. George is He takes takes two people with him.
1: No, he doesn't. Not all the time. Westbrook is not shooting. Have you watched this year? Russell
2: Westbrook is shooting horribly right now. He's not a great shooter. And, And that is the truth, by the way. Russell Westbrook is not a great shooter. He's a volume shooter. But the thing with Durant is you
1: you don't know where his mental state is in terms of does he want this challenge of leading the Knicks and turning them around because there's immense pressure. And for Durant, all right, he went to Golden State, won his title. He might get another one this year. So that's out of the way. He got his ring. So what is the next challenge? Does he want it? Does he want to be in New York? Does he want to be the face of a franchise? Does he want to be maybe what James Harden is doing now and say, you know what, I haven't had the opportunity to lead a team Give me 25 shots a game. Let me lead the league in scoring. Does he want that? So that's the big key is what is the next challenge for Durant? And does he relish the opportunity? Because there's a lot of pressure in New York. If you come here because with everything they have done, there's going to be – you have to turn this team around. If you don't get off to a good start and you don't lead this team to the playoffs and even beyond that – You're going to hear it. And some
2: people cannot handle that. They're not prepared for that. No, it's true. He doesn't strike me as a guy who can handle that. That doesn't mean he can't. He just doesn't strike me as a guy who can. It doesn't seem like it. He's shown
1: a lot of sensitivity. Now, does that change after he gets another ring and he says, all right, I've won a ring. Now I want to do this by myself. Kind of like what we saw with Kobe, where Kobe... Had the rings with Shaq, and I'm not putting Durant in the Kobe class. Kobe's separate. I'm just saying similar where Kobe's drive was, all right, I've won with Shaq. I'm going to prove I can win without him.
2: Right. I think th- 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 there could be something to that. But, I mean, I think Durant has a better chance of doing that. Don't laugh at me now. I think he'd be better off in Brooklyn than he would be with the Knicks. Less less people Bro- watching.
1: Uh, Brooklyn less pressure. Pro- probably is in the mix. I like the culture that is being... Produced in Brooklyn right now. I I've watched them a lot. They play very hard. I think Atkinson is a, is a really good coach. Uh, and, you know, Russell has played well. And there were some questions with him coming over from the Lakers. I like what I see in Brooklyn. I know the Eastern Conference at the bottom isn't great, but they're playing very competitive basketball against good teams. I know they lost to San Antonio last night, but I watched them a lot. I love what I see with them. And
2: wouldn't it, Durant fit great there? I mean with Jared Allen and Russell and Dinwiddie, he he'd fit in perfectly there. He may be uh, he could go to the New York area, get a lot of money cuz the Nets have a, have max contracts to give out as well. He might be very successful there. It's possible. Again, I just there's still as hard as it is for people
1: to believe outside of the New York area. There still is that Madison Square Garden mystique and the Knicks. And again, if you ever, if you're the guy to turn that franchise around, you will be worshiped in this town forever. It is a it would be a big accomplishment and some guys want to embrace that, others don't. Do you think Bernard King can come back?
2: Uh yeah, I think it's possible. He can still move to this guy in this year, could you? I was talking about because my son, you know, is a big basketball fan, right? He knows players from God knows when. I said Bernard King. You know what he would do now? Ronis? He would score fifty a night. There's no defense being played now. Yeah, it's not. It's not the same game as it was. I think it's. I think this is very interesting. There. I think. Then. So let me ask you this. I, I don't know the numbers, and you would know them better than I would. The Knicks are obviously tanking for Zion, but didn't the NBA change the percentages where it's a lower number? If When you tank now, it's only 17% versus 28% getting the number one pick?
1: Yeah, uh, but you know, teams at the bottom are still going to tank anyway. I mean, obviously, the higher you are, the, still the better the percentage, even though it was lowered. But, I mean, look, the Knicks aren't any good anyway, so I, I know people have been complaining about them, but it makes sense for them to lose as much as possible. And who knows? uh Maybe it's set up. They say, "All right, we'll we'll will we'll, uh, increase the odds a little bit. Let the Knicks get the pick, like the Patrick
2: Ewing." Well, yeah. Do, do you? I mean, all right. So let's talk about that for a second. Do you believe in conspiracy theory? Do you think that the NBA wants Zion Williamson to be a New York Knickerbocker?
1: Uh, I think it, it's better for. I don't know. It's easy to say. Well, it's better for league if the Knicks are good because they've been bad. It is so better long. for the
2: Knicks. It is better for the league. I it has to that. be.
1: I mean, even though the NBA. It's amazing because the NBA, uh, uh, it, I look, I love it. I watch it every night. There's a lot of great players in competitive games. The criticism is, well, Golden State's the best. They're going to win. We're still talking about the NBA constantly. It's Super Bowl week. or We're talking about the NBA here on the Friday before the Super Bowl. So, the NBA still draws a lot. It's, there's drama. Obviously, the negative part but is— But
2: you want the, the Knicks and the Lakers to be your, be good teams. You want New York and L.A. to be oh, successful. Oh, for sure.
1: You definitely do. I mean, the Knicks still, I think for the most part, sell out. It seems to be every time I turn it on, the, the crowd is packed. But there's just a lot more juice in this town, and it would bring a lot more attention. So, basically, uh, teams 1, 2, and 3 all have a 14% shot at the number one pick.
2: Oh, so that's why they changed it, right? Because yeah, that, they did they the anti-tanking rules here. So, but I mean, it doesn't uh, matter because everyone's still going to tank anyway. Oh yeah, no. I, look, I, you think DeAndre Jordan's going to play a game for the Knicks? Nah, he'll be bought out. Yeah, you think Wesley Matthews going to play a game for the Knicks? No, thanks. They don't want to win. They're going to go with all these guys and they'll they'll play competitively in the. And if anybody's playing too well, don't you think Fizdale take him out? If Alonzo Trier's putting up forty, he's sitting down in the fourth quarter.
1: Uh, probably I'll do whatever they can to lose the game. And uh, I don't think these days they have to do too much to lose these (laughs) games, but Hey, look, I mean, the Knicks are trying something different. Whatever they has, hasn't worked. They brought in a coach who I think is good. I think he's well-respected by a lot of players. So they have a coach in place. They have a couple of young rookies. They have draft capital and they have salary cap space. Now we'll look back on this trade and it will be deemed a success if they're able to land two big-name free agents. If they can't, we're going to look back and say, what the hell were they doing?
2: Now, we haven't looked at this from Dallas's point of view. I absolutely love this move. I do. I love poor, matching Porzingis with Donkic. I think it's tremendous. I think both these guys will feed off each other. Um, will Dirk Nowitzki play very long? Probably not. Maybe another year or two, but I, I like him there. I think this is going to be a very smart a uh, high basketball iq town playing with rick carlisle do they miss dennis smith absolutely i like getting hardaway who's still a very good player uh, look if i'm mark cuban right now i'm not unhappy that i made this trade
1: yeah i think they looked at it saying that they didn't have a, a draft pick or the free agency money to go get someone so they figured they would do it by a trade they were clearly trying to trade dennis smith because it wasn't a good fit luka donsik is handling the ball a lot and you know that Smith had set out a few games recently so they wanted to trade him it was clear and you know Dirk Nowitzki is someone Porzingis looked up to and Nowitzki might retire at the end of this year but the fact that he's there could help convince Porzingis to stay and uh, it's a nice tandem if Porzingis is healthy with Luka Doncic uh, who looks is tremendous I mean for a young player we know he had a lot of experience overseas but he looks like a veteran, and people are loving him. He was one of the players that garnered the most votes in the All-Star game. He was near the top.
2: Does Dallas need one more player to really compete? I mean, I would think they need one more player, but you're saying they don't have much free agent money, and they don't have a first-round pick. How are they going to get that third body?
1: Yeah, they're going to have to really uh, maybe hit on like an inexpensive free agent that is kind of like the glue piece there uh, that, that that can improve uh, or find someone really under the radar late in the draft uh but yeah i think especially in the west uh with some teams they're probably going to need something a little bit more
2: and what about uh we overlook deandre jordan's a pretty good player where do you think he ends up i I mean i've got to think somebody could use him yeah for
1: sure i mean he'll wind up i think with a a potential playoff team uh, for sure. And look at him and what has happened to him, leaving the Clippers, going to Dallas, and then they get rid of him. So uh, he is on an expiring contract. So I'm sure someone
2: will take him. All right, next segment, we've got a man from Vegas Whispers joining us, don't we? Absolutely. Frankie Tadeo from VegasWhispers.com will join us. And uh, was Frankie talking prop bets today? Yes, we will talk prop bets with him as uh, we get set here for the Super Bowl. I'm excited about that. I mean, uh, if anybody knows what's going on in Vegas, our man Frankie Tadeo knows what's going on, VegasWhispers.com. So I promise you we will get to these prop bets, and you're going to want to take down a pen pen and paper. All right? We'll give you the plays that you need to win so you can be our rich friend. All right? Scout Fantasy Sports, Dr. Roto along with Adam Ronis, and we're back right after this.
0: Your free fancy source 24 hours a day.
2: We're back. We're Scal Fantasy Sports. Dr. Roto along with Adam Ronas and Ronas. Is there a better baseball package out there than what we offer at Scout Fantasy Sports?
1: No, there's not. And yes, I'm a little biased. But hey, we have guys who have won. Sean Child, NFPC All-of-Famer. You have won. I have won. So all our content is there. And if you use the promo code BATS50, you get 50% off your first two months. I have another article up today looking at Jameis and Ty on That guy has been through a lot, man. I think people forget. So uh, you can read that article now and get my thoughts on him for this upcoming year.
2: I just took him in round four of the FSTA. might be a little early, but I like him, Ronis.
1: Well, you're in a 14-team league. Pitching is being pushed up the board. And uh, you know I kind of write about that because people are going to be like, Tyon, really? Like, why is he going so early? But remember, this guy was the second overall pick in 2010. And he's had a lot of, lot of... uh, Down things happened to him along the way, and uh, I loved what I saw from him last year. I had him in a couple leagues last year. I had him in Tout Wars, double-digit rounds. I got him in an auction with several experts here in the area, and uh, he was tremendous. His last 22 starts, all three earned runs or less.
2: Yeah, I would say I was very happy with the pick. I didn't feel like I, I rushed it, to be quite honest. I think at the end of the year, it gets 200 innings and 200 strikeouts.
1: Yeah, he had 191 last year, his first full season in the big leagues, and I think that might concern some people, but he's just had a lot of unfortunate things happen to him. Did he have some problem with his balls? He had testicular cancer, yeah, and he had his surgery in 2017 in May, and he returned like five weeks later. To me, that's unbelievable, and he didn't have a great year, but I don't care. Like We always measure a lot of stats, but a big thing for me is his mental fortitude to overcome everything. He had Tommy John surgery in the minor leagues. He had hernia surgery. And for him to come through all that and get to where he was last year, to me, is impressive.
2: Dude, I'm not the. Can- I mean, there's no good cancer, but that's got to be the worst.
1: Yeah. I mean, you don't know what's going on. And, you know, he had said like he had, was feeling fatigued and he didn't know what was wrong. And, you know, fortunately, he was able to get it uh, resolved pretty quickly.
2: Yeah. All right. Good to hear. All right. Time now. We want to resolve our, our prop bets for the Super Bowl. Let's get our friend with us from VegasWhispers.com, Frankie today. What's up,
0: Frankie? Hey guys, how are you? Good. how you been? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, hectic week. Uh, running around all the different sports books, trying to see who, who's offering the best values. As we know, each book here in Vegas has different odds on every prop, and certain books have different props that other books don't have, so it's been a busy week.
2: Yeah, let's let's talk about that for a second. So, you're out in Vegas. Why would the Westgate have a different thing than Caesars and a different thing than the Mirage? And do the smart sharps out there go and do different bets at different casinos?
0: Oh, 100%. There's a tremendous amount of shopping. Uh, the Westgate is more or less the godfather of all prop bets. They have the most by far, it's not even close of anyone else. They even have a review party uh, that last Thursday uh, revealing all the props at a 7 p.m. party. And they normally, prop bets out here in Las Vegas, you'll see a 1K limit on all props. For the first two hours, they allowed 2K limits and the shoppers betters, But all that you could do was bet one prop and then you had to get to the back of the line. So you had to know which prop you really wanted to bet and then get to the back of the line and still stand there. And it was about 80 to 100 people deep uh, with two tellers. And for about two hours, they took almost $400,000 in wagers from various uh, shop editors that were just looking for different props. And then the books at different locations, they decided to put theirs out. And that's when you'll see a tremendous amount of value because the numbers be, and the odds become skewed.
1: And also, don't the Sharps jump on that early when they first come out because they see a lot of value? So I'm sure a lot of those prop bets were taken early uh, when the initial lines came out.
0: Oh, 100%. That's that's why they're all waiting there, and that's why they get 2K limits, and that's why the book actually limits them to be able to only bet one profit and then to the back of the line and just keep going forward. And they just hope that the other Sharps aren't on the exact ones that they want. Um, and it's it's kind of weird because it's 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 really like uh, it's it, it's very demanding it's very competitive but you know if we just look at just one player uh, obviously we'll see Todd Gurley when Todd Gurley was opened at the Westgate they had his rushing yards at eighty two and a half by the time that the he they were actually finished taking wagers and what we see today right now at this present time that same exact shop on Todd Gurley's rushing yards is 60 and a half. We're looking at a 22 point correction where if you had the opportunity to bet under 82 and a half when it first opened, you can now have the opportunity to bet over sixty and a half, and have almost a 22-yard 22, 22 middle because Todd Gurley is probably the biggest concern for any sports book and the biggest liability, and many books out here refuse to even put his numbers or have any props involving Todd Gurley until Wednesday of this week. Only a few days ago was when they finally released and were willing to give Todd Gurley uh, an opportunity to be bet on.
2: Frankie, I've heard of numbers go down, you know, a couple of points here, uh, half a point there. But 22 yards for Todd Gurley, that seems to be an immense number.
0: It's probably unheard of. We haven't seen this kind of fluctuation in a player's uh, overall prop rushing or receiving yards. I mean, right now, there's just so many questions concerning Gurley. They're saying he's healthy. Uh, but it's just so hard to believe that he really is. Four carries for five yards. He did get the touchdown against the Saints in the championship game, but he he was immense and had a great game over 100 yards rushing and and was on the ground and formed a great two-headed monster against Dallas with C.J. Anderson. But, I mean, it, it's you'll never be able to see these kind of numbers on Todd Gurley. No one ever thought weeks one through 13 – could you ever see prop values where his rushing yards could be this low? And even his receiving yards, he's at, he's down to 30 and a half on his overall rece- receiving yards. As well as, who would have thought that if the Rams win this game, which is they very well could, who would have thought that you could get anywhere from 14 to 16-1 on MVP for Todd Gurley right now?
1: How do you interpret that? Do you look at that? maybe more specifically the yards props and say, you know what, this is a good opportunity? Or do you say, you know what, I just don't know what's going on. There's it's too cloudy and stay away. How do you interpret it?
0: Well, right now the the shops are all telling us that they're fading Gurley. They don't believe that he's not really injured and they don't believe that you're going to get the best Todd Gurley. But if you really, if if there's an opportunity and you believe that the Rams are going to win, The only way that personally I envision the Rams winning this game is if if Todd Gurley is Todd Gurley. You have to keep Tom Brady off the field. If they don't keep Todd Gurley off the field, excuse me, Tom Brady, excuse me. If you don't keep Tom Brady off the field, and Gurley has to be a big part of that. If they can't run the ball, and I can't see, I know it's been a great story so far with C.J. Anderson, but C.J. Anderson would have to put up a Terrell Davis-like effort. For, the, you know, for this to be able to have an opportunity. For Gurley, if you like him, if you like the Rams, I almost feel there's more value on Todd Gurley at MVP of 16-1 to than there is on the Rams winning the game at plus 130 on the money line.
2: We were joking earlier this week, uh, Frankie, that we like the, the value on Greg Zerline I think if the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl, it could, could quite possibly be Zerline getting three or four field goals, including one at the end of the game. Is that just stupid betting, or is that, you know, is that smart betting when you can get like 60, 70 to one shot? What do you do as a guy who likes to play? Do you ever take a, you know, one of those whim bets?
0: Yeah, well, I'll be, I'll be honest. You're not far off, Doc, because some of the shops out here that are backing the Rams are not only backing Gurley, at odds uh, of sixteen to one, but they get you can actually out here in Vegas get Zerline at a, over a hundred to one. So one shop is even listing him at one hundred and twenty-five to one to win the MVP. To win MVP, and if the game, if the AS, if the NFC Championship game was really the Super Bowl, Zerline would have probably w- been named MVP. But there's one small caveat that we have to be concerned with here. Greg Zerline missed a good portion of this year. Now we find out after he makes that game-winning kick of 57 yards out to send the Rams to the Super Bowl. Now he's walking around in a walking boot. So is he healthy or is he not? He hasn't kicked at all in any of these practices or warm-ups because he's saving his foot. If he kicks off or he has any kind of injury, that zero-line bet is out the window. So here's where this ties in now. When you're looking at your prop bets and you're going to try to see anything like that, you got to maybe have a possible vision. And here's a better prop that, that might tie into that. Will there be a two-point conversion attempt? Just an attempt. The yes right now is minus 105. So if zero line is to get injured at any point and the Rams can no longer kick extra points, what would, what, what forces their hand? Now all of a sudden, Sean McVay is going for two on every single touchdown conversion because they don't have a kicker, unless you really trust Johnny Hecker to be able to try to convert a, uh, an extra point, which I don't think he would. I think there's almost more value on will there be a two-point conversion attempt at yes at minus 105.
1: If you think the Patriots are going to win, the likelihood is you think Tom Brady's MVP, but we know the odds aren't great there. Where else would you look on New England for MVP.
0: Well, it's, it's uh, right now the shops out here are actually looking at two different players. Uh, Sony Michelle at odds of 10 to 1 is offering tremendous value. We've seen what the Patriots run right now and, and all their success. Sony Michelle has been a big, big part as the Patriots have an immense running game right now. And the other opportunity is Julian Edelman at odds of 45 to 1.
2: Dude, that's a great play uh, he, right there, Frankie. That's a great play. I would put a lot of money on that.
0: It, 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 it's it's tremendous how much value we've seen what what was going on in the uh, in the media this week with one of the players talking smack. We know uh, Mikel Roby Coleman saying that Tom Brady was old and washed up and and not a guy that that really is, is the same player anymore and not playing at an elite level. I really don't know where that's coming from. I know he was trying to deflect all of the non-pass interference goals away, but that's probably not the smartest way to do it. And right now, we all know that Tom Brady's go-to guy is his slot guy and his security blanket, and that's Julian Edelman. That's one of the reasons why the shops are all over Edelman's y- uh, yards and receptions going over. And that's, and that's mainly because Nicole Roby Coleman is expected to try to cover Edelman in the slot. And I think Brady, as we know, when he has players that he feels like he has vendettas against, when he plays the Jets or anything like that, you know, you know he has certain players, you know that that added more fire to him and more motivation for him to go after Coleman. And if he's going to go after Coleman, the recipient of that is going to be Edelman.
2: My my only worry though, Ronus, about that is, let's say Edelman goes ten for one hundred eight and a touchdown. Don't they? Aren't they still going to give Tom Brady the MVP somehow? Because he'll throw for three hundred eight yards and two touchdowns. They'll give it to Brady.
1: More than likely, he has to. Probably score two touchdowns and Brady throw two or three because we just seen the pension for them giving the quarterback the Super Bowl MVP. Of all the Super Bowls, 29 have been quarterbacks. I think it's six wide receivers. I talked about it yesterday that period from 2005 to 2010, where we had three wide receivers in five years win the Super Bowl MVP. But pretty much since 2010, it's been all quarterbacks outside of two linebackers. So you really need to stand out because uh, we've seen quarterbacks not even have great games and get the Super Bowl MVP.
0: Don't you? But do you agree it, with that, Frankie? Just to, just to play. Uh, well, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm going to play devil's advocate on you, Adam. Just real quick. If we look at the last player to uh, that was a wide receiver who won the MVP, that would have been Santonio Holmes.
1: Right. Final. If play. you go
0: back and you look at the exactly. Now, if you go back and you look at the stats for Ben Roethlisberger, he had a great game that day, and the, the MVP still went to Santonio Holmes. Let's just say that Edelman has. That, that one touchdown that Doc referred to is the game-winning touchdown late in the game. Do you think that maybe that shades the MVP voters and the opportunity for the media to maybe give that vote to, instead of giving it to the perennial Super Bowl MVP, which is Tom Brady, now all of a sudden, at odds of 45-1, to 1, you could be getting Edelman?
1: I will say this. That is an award that's voted on. Could it be that Ben Roethlisberger is not well-liked?
0: Why he well, didn't get it. That, 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 that very well could be the case, but I think there's also a small contingent, too, to actually say that maybe Tom Brady's not so liked as well. Uh, I mean, is, but, uh, are, the, are the Patriots maybe the most hated team in the NFL right now?
1: I, I think because people are sick of seeing them outside of Boston. Outside people. of Boston. Outside of Boston.
2: Exactly.
1: No, you're right. People, people are sick of them winning, but it, it, I think it, it would take. It would take a mediocre stat line by Brady to get that. Like, if Brady has 300 and three touchdowns, he's going to get the Super Bowl MVP. I mean, the odds are in his favor. It's just so slanted towards quarterbacks. I, I think a receiver has to have like a real big game. Now, if it is the game-winning touchdown, say so Edelman makes a great catch, uh, then maybe uh, it, it could happen.
2: Frankie, we've got about two minutes to go. Give us give us your two favorite prop bets of the weekend, the ones that you're going to go right now to the Westgate and drop some money on.
0: Okay, well, one of them is, as we, as people aren't really aware, I mean, it's, it's amazing to actually say this stat, but the New England Patriots have scored three points combined in all the first quarters of the Super Bowls that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady have played together. So... We know that he's a slow starter. That's just an amazing stat. That three points, which they finally got last year on a field goal against the Eagles. The bet that I, I love immensely is will that uh, which which half will have more points scored? And I'm laying second half minus a half of a half a point to have more points in the first half at odds of minus a dollar thirty right now. And that bet is fifteen four and one has cashed in the last uh 20 super bowls that 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 bet taking the second half scoring outscoring the first half is cashed as well as I will give one other one which is over two and a half players to attempt a pass in the super bowl we saw that last year that cashed on the Philly Philly play with the eagles and it has tremendous value once again here with the sharps. I mean, you're going to get a former uh, quarterback and Julian Edelman, a college quarterback who played at the at Kent State University, and you're going to get the one player who actually leads the NFL with 20 pass attempts, and he's a non QB. Johnny Hecker, that's the Rams. Johnny Hecker. <laughs> so if you're going to tell me I'm going to get Hecker and Edelman, I'll take over two and a half players to attempt to pass in the Super Bowl. Those will be my two largest plays.
1: By the way, quickly, Roethlisberger in that Super Bowl, 256, one touchdown, one pick. Holmes, nine for 131 and a touchdown. That's why he got it.
0: Well, right now, what happened? I I could envision the same thing. The Sharps' biggest stance on this game is the under. All right, Under under, Under 56 points. The odds
1: are good when you look at Edelman's numbers, so makes sense.
2: <laughs> all right, Frankie, today, ovegaswhispers.com. Enjoy the game, my friend. Hope it's a great one. All right. Talk soon.
0: Guys enjoy and, and let's uh, let's get together soon again. You got it. All right. We're coming back. We'll talk a little
2: off Super Bowl. That's what we're gonna do when we return right after this.
1: Back here, Scout Fantasy Sports, Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto with you to 4 p.m. Eastern. The DailyRoto.com partnership with Data Golf is back for 2019 with all-new premium fantasy golf and betting tools. Check out the all-new lineup optimizer with custom settings and advanced grouping, customizable projections for FanDuel and DraftKings, ownership projections, PGA finish probabilities and simulator, outright and top 20 market betting tools, head-to-head and three-ball betting tools, PGA Pro Tips, subscriber chat, and more. Go to DailyRoto.com, click on Go Premium, choose golf, and enter promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. That's DailyRoto.com, click on Go Premium, click on golf, and enter promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount.
2: All right, Adam. We, we've been talking about it for most of the week. Let's talk about right here. Let's get to the Super Bowl. I know we'll talk about it today. We'll talk about it Monday. And then, of course, we'll move on to other things like a lot of baseball over the coming weeks and other and basketball and things like that. But I just, I, I'm going to come down to the following here. I think the Patriots, the biggest misconception this week is that the Patriots are a passing team. I think they're a running team. And I think the Rams are going to have to stop that run. If they want to win this game, and I think they're going to stop the run, but that may mean that Brady's going to go for 340 yards. I I can't predict that part, but I do predict the Patriots running game is going to be stopped.
1: Yeah, and it's been their linchpin here to success in the playoffs. They've run the ball extremely well. And if you look at the regular season, the Rams did struggle against stopping the run, but in the postseason, and it's only two games, it's a small sample, but they went up against Ezekiel Elliott and the Dallas Cowboys that had a lot of success on the ground this year, and they shut them down. They went against the Saints, who haven't been as uh, much of a potent running team, but they are good with Ingram and Kamara. They shut them down. They've held both those teams to 2.51 yards per carry here in the postseason. So. It is going to be difficult for the Patriots, in my mind, to run the football. And Tom Brady's short passes are an extension of the running game. And the one thing we've seen with the Patriots, when something doesn't work or they feel like they don't have an advantage on the opponent, they will quickly go to something else. We've seen games in the past where the Patriots will run 10 times and throw 50 times. They'll realize, hey, we don't have an advantage here. We cannot exploit this let's do what we do best and take advantage of the other weakness that a team has.
2: I just haven't figured out why the NFL hasn't realized that Tom Brady can't throw more than 20 <laughs> yards down. <downfield.
1: laughs> Doc, I've said the safety. I'm sitting there watching this week after week. You know exactly what they're going to do. Yeah. Are, the, are the coaches that bad?
2: Yeah. It's <laughs> like, oh, it's Tom Brady. He can throw for 30. He cannot throw more than 20 yards downfield. I think this is factual. And look, is he amazing within 20? He's the greatest of all time. All right. I'm not I'm not dissing Brady. I'm just saying he can't throw deep downfield anymore. So why is, why aren't the safeties moving up? Why aren't they putting more pressure on Brady? I don't get it.
1: I don't understand it either. I mean, again, uh, credit for the Patriots and the scheme they come up with. Obviously the offensive line has been tremendous and Brady gets rid of the ball very quickly, but I've kind of sat there the same thing and said like, okay, they don't have a vertical pass game. Brady is not getting the ball or pushing it downfield. That should make it easier to defend, and yet we're seeing them rack up point after point, touchdown after touchdown. It's amazing.
2: It's it's mind-boggling to me. It's like, ooh, it's the Patriots. We respect them so much. We're going to give them uh, tons of room. I, I mean, why, why aren't they putting two guys on Edelman? Why, is it, why doesn't Edelman take a shot every time he gets off the line? Can somebody tell me that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I do think we have seen at times, too, they put Edelman in motion and get him away to to free him up. And I think they might have to do that a little bit in this game. So it's really just a a good job by the coaching staff of the Patriots to make adjustments and put players in the right spot.
2: I think, you know, we we, we can't underestimate the value of good coaching. I I truly believe the Patriots have not just and here's the crazy thing. They have guys who come in and out. The other the coordinators get hired at other places and it still works.
1: Yeah, it's just a, a system that they have well in place that succeeds. And, you know, I guess you can compare it to any other business in life where you, if you have successful people at the top and, you know, you're going to have turnover, but the infrastructure is in place to have success. And, you know, we know everyone is replaceable. I don't know if Tom Brady is. We'll find no, out. But, Adam Ronis
2: Adam Ronas is not.
1: Well, I don't know about that. Uh, we'll, we'll find out about that too, right? <laughs> Someday.
2: So, but, All right. So we were talking about Sony Michelle. Uh, how many targets do you think he's had since their bye week, From week 12 on? Oh, I
1: already know because we were talking about this. He's had none.
2: We had three. Two uh, in week 12, one in week 13. Oh, And I see. one against the Chargers.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, uh, I, I wasn't looking at the playoffs. Yeah, three uh, since week 12, two in week yeah. tw- two, uh, 12, one in week 13. I don't have the playoffs in front of me.
2: I would never bet on Sony Michelle prop bet this week. I'm telling you if they lose if they're down, there's well, no reason
1: he's on the- he's not on the field. Well, don't say never. That means you could take the under.
2: Oh, yeah, okay, sorry. Yeah, I would take the if if over under 1 reception, I'll take the under. Here's the thing, too, is most
1: people's inclination is to take the over on everything cuz they want to root for it. So right. No one really, no one, no one wants to take the under because you don't want to root. I hope he doesn't get this play. I hope he doesn't. You know, so the human nature is to take the over. And uh, a lot of times, if you take unders, the bets uh, do well.
2: Well, isn't it like that you play craps? I do not. Oh, it's the same kind of thing. Are you betting on the pass? Are you betting on uh, don't pass? Right. You're betting on the guy hitting a seven or you think he's going to hit an eight. You know, normally who wins the most? The house. Always oh, better the guy to lose.
1: Oh, I saw some of the profits this year at the Vegas books. It was recently put out. It's insane how much money they make.
2: Well, I would argue the following. Have you? Do you play blackjack? No. Oh, come on, Ron. You don't play anything? What do you play, slots?
1: If I do, I'm not a, a huge gambler for that, uh, That's that true. stuff.
2: Oh, oh, I'd I rather, th-
1: rather do sports stuff. Okay,
2: fair enough. Do you know how many stupid blackjack players there are in this world?
1: Oh, I'm sure. That's why I'm oh, like, I know retired. that. That's that's why. And they exploit it and they know that. So, you know, that's why I mean, there are, so are people
2: hitting there are people hitting on 16s when the dealer's showing like a five. I mean, just insane things. And I'm telling you, when I go to a casino, if I see a table where there's a bunch of morons, I get up and go to another table because I don't want to lose money because people are stupid. You don't don't hit on that. Right. Do you do well in blackjack? Yeah, I do very well in blackjack. Ask Len Asper how much money I won him that night. Okay. One Len, of course, Len, the billionaire, wins like 2,000 bucks, and I lose, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's how the world works, right? Unreal. I'm, tell, I'm teaching, I'm giving him my betting philosophy, and it's working. He is making hand over fist in money, and of course, I'm losing. But at least, look, if Len's winning, he's a good guy, it's worth it, right? Absolutely. Did I ever tell you my betting philosophy in blackjack? No, I don't think you did. All right, this is very simple. So you put down $10, right, for the hand. If you win... You win $10, now it's 20, leave it. How much are you really betting? You're betting your original 10, right? You win again, now you're up to $40, right? What should you do? Leave it, because how much are you really spending? Your original 10 at this point, right? You win your third hand, now you're at $80. Now if you're smart, you take about 20 bucks and you put it in your pocket. And now you're playing with 60, right? But what are you really playing with? Their money. So if you just keep on, you know, Betting more and more as if you can win four or five hands in a row, you can get really rich. And if you think about it, you're only betting that original 10 that you started with.
1: Right. And I think that's similar to DFS, too. When you're looking at your bankroll, when you start winning some money, you know, you're basically playing with house money and you're trying to make that into a bigger number. Obviously, you can pull back a little bit, especially if you have a big hit, take some out. But uh, that's the way I kind of look at DFS, too.
2: It is, but people get stupid with DFS because they just won a thousand dollars, and now all of a sudden, instead of playing the three dollar donkey, they're playing you know the three hundred and thirty three dollar entry, which they would never have done before.
1: Right, your eyes get bigger, and right. you're like, oh, I won this. So I could do better. <laughs> I mean, game selection is key. Obviously, I think you know you if you you know do well on a three dollar and you win some money. You can upgrade and, I would say, go to a single entry contest for well, a higher a, dollar amount.
2: Go to a $33. Just don't jump to right. the $333. Right.
1: Amount. Slowly build up and right. you know have success at that level. Because obviously, when you go into that higher dollar amount, you're playing against people who are a lot sharper.
2: Right. Oh, I mean, look, are there some idiots there too? Maybe a few, but not as many as the donkey, because the donkey's got a bunch of idiots that have no, no idea what they're doing.
1: Right. You're eliminating a lot of people off the top, unless they get lucky.
2: Right. Well, that's the problem in in high like football, right? Do you know how many teams the DraftKings had in some of their things? Like seven hundred thousand people.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, there there were a couple times I saw the Millionaire Maker team winner, and I'm like, come on, man, are you serious? Like this is clear luck. And a lot of the times I said, all right, you know what? This was skillful. Uh, they, I see the thinking here. But there were a couple like really, this is. How about the point? guy
2: who had five bears that week? Do you remember that week? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Would you have ever had five bears?
1: not early in the year i think they didn't they have a couple of uh, times though some huge weeks there no, was no, a couple i'm okay
2: with having i'm okay with having two or three guys on a team but five i would i've never stacked a full team like that Right.
1: I mean, you, you got fortunate. It worked out. And uh, we're sitting here like saying, oh, that doesn't make sense. And that guy's
2: got a million bucks. But the problem is baseball is very similar to when people when we come back to DFS baseball, because it's I should have the Rockies and Padres, Rockies and Dodgers, Rockies and Cardinals. I just start to play like different stacks. And eventually, if I play enough of them, I should hit. Right.
1: Yeah, although I remember the Rockies disappointing quite a bit last year, if I'm not mistaken. I was just using
2: that as an example.
1: Right. No, I'm just saying, though, like if you faded Coors last year, I think you actually did pretty
2: well. I tend to avoid playing on Coors nights if I can. Like I always will. When it comes to baseball, if if the Rockies are away, I'm gladly playing that night. But I don't like playing on Coors nights and I don't like playing on Scherzer, Kershaw nights, because then if you don't have one of those guys, you're in big trouble right
1: and they rarely get hit around
2: right so i mean immediately i look at the slate and when i see a couple of those big pitchers i won't play i really like playing on the nights where it's like the fourth and fifth starters because that's when i think you get big value
1: yeah if you can hit on the starting pitcher that is the value and has a good performance uh, and he's probably going to be cheap and you hit on the right bats yeah you can really take advantage of that night's slate
2: you know i came in third in one of those donkeys last year right one 5k in yes. Baseball. Mm-hmm. I had Eduardo Rodriguez. I had like two pitchers like that. Guys who I liked who aren't very good. But I, I mean, I took advantage on one of those nights. I just think when there's a Scherzer night and he's twelve thousand dollars, you need him. Otherwise, you're going to lose.
1: Yes. Uh, for more or more often than not, he's pretty dominant. Now, he did allow quite a few home runs last year. So if you got him in a start where he allowed four runs, a couple home runs, maybe the K's were not elite. Sure, you could take advantage. But you just feel like almost every time out, he just crushes.
2: So let's go back. To, let's go back to the Super Bowl here for a second. Are there any bets? Are there? would you be doing a lot of prop bets, or do you just like to watch the Super Bowl?
1: Not a lot, but there are a few. Uh, I like Gronkowski over three and a half receptions. I think that he is going to retire. I don't know if it's going to be right at the end of the game, but I see a big game for him, and uh, he's plus one seventy to score a touchdown. So I like that, and I like the Gurley over three and a half catches because for the Rams to be in this game, they got to use Gurley and especially in the passing game. So, uh, I know we talked a lot about Gurley. The one thing is he hasn't been on the injury report. So, you know, you can get in real trouble if they're hiding an injury and he's not on the injury report. So,
2: I don't think they're hiding an injury.
1: It doesn't seem like it because he would have to be on the injury report. Yeah. So,
2: did you see this uh the tweet from Vegas Whispers?
1: Uh, about the Rams money? Yeah. I you told know what? You, I though like the
2: Rams, I like the Rams. This I know like the this. Money.
1: I know this, but we saw this with a game recently. I forgot who it was. There was someone who put down big money for some reason. I think it was Atlanta. I don't remember what week they put big money down and they lost. So just because someone puts a big wager down on a team doesn't mean that that team's
2: going to win. No, no, no. I didn't say that. But so, do you ever watch horse racing?
1: No. I, uh, I, I maybe should. I should maybe I should to cure my insomnia.
2: Yeah, horse race. <laughs> no, that's soccer, dude. If you ever want to take a good nap, just watch oh, soccer. Oh, soccer's brutal. They go I had back to, and forth. Oh, I had, to, co- I had to cover
1: it uh, at the high school level. I was like on my phone the whole time doing fantasy research.
2: Yeah, no, soccer is one of those things. I love watching it when I want to take a good nap on a weekend. My favorite. But horse racing, what I was going to get at is that, you know, so the odds are out for a race, right? It's usually 20 minutes to post time. So let's say the number two horse is 16 to 1. Do you know when a lot of money comes on that horse at the very end all these guys within the last three or four minutes all of a sudden he goes from 16 to one to four to one and you're like what just happened because there's an influx of money i always like to see where the late money goes because the late money is either the the dumb money or it's the really smart money adam
1: and i think you'll see that i think a lot of people are waiting to the last minute to put their bets now If you want the Rams, you're waiting for that line to move to three, and it has in some sports books. You clearly want that. Um, If you're a New England backer, you hopefully you you hopped in before it got to three. So I think this is a really tough game to call. Uh, I could see either team winning. Uh, If this game was, if we had a line for this game in the middle of the year, the Rams would be favored on a neutral field.
2: I would think so, especially when Cooper if Cooper Cup was playing. Rams are favored for sure. And even without him,
1: I just think what has happened is the, it's the recency bias where we've seen New England play two of their best games here in the postseason, the Mystique, the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick combination, the lack of experience with Sean McVay and Jared Goff. So everyone is kind of leaning towards New England, and that's the one thing that has me worried. We have seen the public money get destroyed here in the postseason, and most of the public money is on New England right now. So that concerns me as someone who's leaning towards New England right now.
2: Now, what do you do for the Super Bowl? Will you watch it at uh, Shea Ronis? Do you go to a bar? Do you go to a friend's house? What do you usually do?
1: Usually friend's house. Last year, I went to a friend's house and it was cool. A lot of good food and uh, not too many people there. So it was a good environment. Uh, I think two years ago, I watched it at a friend's house. So uh, I actually have not made final plans for this Sunday yet. So it's a It's kind of getting late here, so I got to figure something out.
2: Well, it's funny. In the old days, I used to go to people's houses, and I found like I couldn't watch the game because there's so many people, and everybody's talking, and you just want to watch the game, and it was hard to do it. So I don't do that as much anymore. I admit I kind of stay home a lot because I can actually watch the game and appreciate it more. That is true.
1: I do find that to be the case. I try to tune it out or find a spot where the hardcore fans are watching the game and I could just have conversations with them. But there's always people in that environment who are there to watch the commercials or the halftime show and they don't care and they're asking stupid (laughs) questions. It's like, come on, man. I know this is like a holiday and a big party, but not for us. We're hardcore football fans. We watch this. We do this every Sunday. So I'm there to watch the game. I could care less about the commercials and the halftime show.
2: Right, my daughter will only come for the halftime show. That's what she does every year. My Mrs. Roto will come for the halftime show and maybe, maybe the fourth quarter, but usually not. It'll just be me and my son and that's okay. I, I accept that he asked me like a thousand questions around us. I'm like, dude, I just need to watch this.
1: <laughs> I know you wanna help him and you wanna educate him, but you know, you're really trying to sit there and you know, see what's going on, make your analysis, see the adjustments being made, and uh, like you would in a normal game. So I'm just hoping that it's a close game. We're entertained. That's what. That's all I'm hoping for.
2: I think we'll be entertained. I would be shocked if we're not entertained.
1: I will say this uh, we have not had a bad Super Bowl in a while. Uh
2: oh, we're, we're, <laughs> we're due. We're kind of due, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to Imagine see. Imagine the
1: Rams happens. just blow them out.
2: Oh. <sighs> I, it wouldn't be shocking. Heat override would be a, a, the most excited person on planet Earth, uh, and so would a lot of Patriots haters. That's true. I I, I don't want to see. I want to see a good game. That's all. I, there's nothing worse than a bad Super Bowl. I mean, the last
1: two games in the overtime, the drama. Uh, it was, was tremendous. That's what you want to see. You know, you're at the edge of your seat. You don't know what's going to happen next.
2: Yeah, it's so true. All right, who's All right, who's coming up in the next hour, Adam?
1: I'll have uh, Steve Renner from ScoutDFS.com. He's going to join me at 3.20 p.m. Eastern. We'll make fun of him for being a Saints fan.
2: All right, guys, I wish you all a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. This is Dr. Roto saying be well and take care. Stay tuned for hour number two with Scout Fantasy Sports. Back after this.